how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Chris Redd was originally approached with an idea for a TV show that he thought was terrible. He took the idea to his friends and decided they could make it better. Eventually, after four versions, this show became Bust Down. Redd is known for his work on SNL, Popstar, and Joker. His talented friends in this interview include Sam Jay, who's known for SNL and that damn Michael Che, Langston Kerman, who's known for Southside Insecure, and Jack Knight, who's known for Big Mouth and Blackish. The show they created is called Bust Down, a Peacock original that follows four casino employees in a dead-end job in middle America who want to find self-worth within their bad ideas. Combining these, very combining these various styles, they found a new voice with this series. In this interview, the writer-performers talk about finding voice, misconceptions of comedy, the importance of storytelling, their initial pitch for the show, and advice for writers trying to break in today. I met with a guy named Guy, and he gave me a show um, that was terrible. And, and I went back to my talented friends who don't do terrible comedy. And I was like, hey, we should make a version of this. And then and then uh, we just kept jamming on that shit. And we had like four different versions of what Bust Down was before it became Bust Down. At one point, it was all for one, which sounds like it's on UPN, but it wasn't. And then um, and that was, and that was what, what it is now. That's kind of how it, how it came to be. And yes, oh, sorry, this is Alfonso Ribeiro. And yes, the, the, the four was the number. We were that bad at comedy. I think I think this is Langston, not uh, Alfonso. This, uh, this show has, in a beautiful way, also tracked our evolution as artists. So what would have been the show years ago would have been real bad. And now it's pretty good. And uh I'm, I'm grateful that we got the time to work that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Samaria Johnson. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, like you're going to jail. Right. right. <laughs> right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that was, Everybody that was, was doing that. Position. 
I want to do name stuff. Oh, um, sorry, that was me. okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think too, it was just like, you know, when we first started, uh, Chris was the only one out of us that had any opportunities. And so he was like, <laughs> here's a chance to make some money, broke niggas. And we was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of made the show terrible like the first part of the show what did you guys do that made it differently is it mainly just setting up a concept where you have lots of room to explore or tell me some of those details uh music, music soul child here um <laughs> I, I think i think the i think we all had to just go learn our own voices and learn how to work a final draft and learn how to make acts and it was just so much stuff that we didn't know outside of just being funny people um that we all went off and learned like Langston went off and wrote for a bunch of shows acting on a bunch of stuff they uh, Sam and Chris went to SNL I went to Big Mouth and we all came back with different levels of information and combined it to the current yeah. of the show I, I would say that that we also in the beginning were really focused on just the jokes it was us being like oh okay this would be the funniest thing that this character could do and while that could be true, if you don't have a story that can sort of ground it in a house to put that stuff in, it just turns into nonsense. So there were funny gibberish. ass scripts. Yeah, but they were truly gibberish. And now they're less gibberish uh, with a little bit of gibberish still up in there. You think that audiences today kind of expect character building and some of those things like can you kind of elaborate on what made it away from gibberish, I guess? Uh, I mean, I think, oh, sorry, Curse. go ahead. I think, I think, you know, it was really just the more we learned our voice and how to, how to do it. Like Jack was saying, it's like, you know, being at SNL, I, I was learning how to write sketch. I never wrote sketch, but I was learning how to put my comedic voice in another, another box. And the more that we got a proficient in that, the the easier it was to form story and not like Lisa said just be like what's the funniest stuff we could put on a page but to really start to think about the arcs of these characters and how we would bring them through a series yeah what did you guys kind of bring together from like snl and big mouth like what are some of the principles of the of the writing process for you like in addition to it's got to be funny what are some of those other rules that you set for this show i uh jack here the real jack uh I, I think it was a blessing in disguise that we went to so many different edges of comedy for, for me to go all the way over there to a raunchy show like Big Mouth, for Langston to go right on Southside and work on Insecurity and all that. For them to go to SNL, we, we learned pretty much every side of where comedy is currently, and we all came back together with different superpowers. Yeah. Um, so that was like, a, if we all four just made the show at the time, we kind of, we probably would have made four similar sounding characters, if I'm being honest, mm -hmm. but we came back with four very different types of styles of writing, styles of acting and styles of editing that we, you know, didn't get in front of each other and let everybody's superpower shine. And, and, and there was things that we, that we've all picked up working on all these shows, being on SNL, having to produce like your sketches and all that, like. That that you have these strengths behind the camera, like behind the camera too, like with with just like being on set long hours and, and keeping the energy up, or just like any production decisions, or just like you just I, I just like got to see my friends just be strong in other ways outside of just being funny or just writing. Like we were like we we knew our way around a set and we, and we knew how to get what we needed, and that was that was just you. 
I was tired. <laughs> yeah, the energy on set was just Chris. Don't let him lie. Me, Sam, and Langston were quiet and reading our scripts. Yeah, that is, that is my superpower, man. I, I uh, <laughs> keep myself awake. I have to do jokes and and run around and talk to everybody all the time, and that's just yeah. like that's that, that's how I stay awake. So mm-hmm. <laughs> talking to BGs, I don't know them niggas, bro. Chris talking. <laughs> Hey man, until they started handing me mixtapes, then I just like, hey man, chill out. We ain't friends. Like <laughs> How do you guys kind of see like the bigger comedy landscape? Like, do you see it kind of moving into more sketches and shorts? Like, they don't really make many straight comedy movies anymore. They're like action comedies or whatever. How do you guys kind of see the landscape today? And then where does this show exist in that landscape? I think it, I think it ebbs and flows. Honestly, I think there are times where it's it's a lot of straight comedy and just that. And then we hit that that window where everything was a dramedy and everything had to have like a message on the back end of it. And now uh, we hope to be reintroducing just hard jokes and, and straight comedy back again. And uh, if that if Bust Down is in even remotely responsible for making people laugh and feel like that's a cool space that they want to go back to, then we did our job. How do you guys think about, because a lot of these shows, especially SNL, you're forced to do crazy deadlines. Like how do you balance deadlines and really high, high quality comedy? Like who kind of sets the tone for this joke can be better in some of those things? Well, I think pressure makes diamonds. And I think that like us not having a whole lot of time. Shut up. To get I so, agree. I agree with Jack. What? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure makes diamonds. All right, man. Hey, nigga. Hey, nigga. I'm, I'm doing a podcast, you. nigga. I'm saying podcast stuff, nigga. Podcast <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope Chris has a sheet in front of him that just says podcast <laughs> stuff on it. <laughs> He crosses out. He crosses out. Pressure makes diamonds, and he crosses out. It is what it is. Oh, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Because the world today, dog, is crazy. You know, and that's just because <laughs> the world today is crazy. <laughs> the world today. If you guys are writing something like this, are you looking at at everything else that's out there, or are you just trug- like focusing on your own voice? Like, how are, are you competing? Or are you not worried about that kind of stuff? I mean, I think we're aware. I don't I don't always use the word competing because, you know, everyone's going to do their thing. But we're aware. We're aware of what's out there. We definitely don't want to be stepping in any lanes that are that have already been paid by someone else or or doing anything that's already being satisfied. And we want to make something that's unique in the space. And so to to do that, you got to know what's out there and what's going on. Yeah, because pressure makes diamonds. (laughs) Um, and fortunately, a lot of the people making good comedy are our friends. So outside of like not wanting to make something that is like something else on TV, you know, it's our friends. You don't want to steal from your friends. So how do you guys, how do you describe the show? I mean, I know it's already out there and that type of thing, but how do you describe the actual plot versus like some of the themes of the show? Uh, in terms of the actual plot, it is about four people working in the back of a casino in Gary, Indiana, and their their lives that they are very happy uh, with and, and not necessarily fighting too hard to get out of. And then uh, in terms of the themes, who boy, uh, messy, I guess, is the, maybe the best word that we could go into. But it's it's what everybody's life is. You know what I mean? Like, very rarely are these conversations 
life-changing for the individuals that are having them. You talk about some wild shit with your friends and then you go back to work or you go get drunk or you hang out with your girl or whatever it is. And we wanted to reflect that instead of what I think Hollywood often does is like put this weird responsibility on the characters to solve the problems of everybody's lives and like make us feel safe. We ain't offering none of that. We just have our opinions and then we go do some silly shit afterwards. And it's a shit ton of references. Yeah. Go ahead. Go more. I was going to say, it's a a shit ton of references in a a beautiful way that I think, um, you know, I I can't believe we keep saying this fucking word, but like, there's so much black shit out. Now we can be niche. And that Mm -hmm. is awesome to be like an absurd black comedy on TV because it's like, that's the, I used to watch so much absurd white shit that I can't even imagine what a 15-year-old Jack would do if he saw a bust down. Mm-hmm. How do you guys talk about, in addition to the characters, are you talking about world building and multiple seasons and that type of thing? How are you talking about bringing characters back and smaller parts? And what are some of your thoughts about just expanding the world of the show? I think uh, that, that was definitely on our mind as we were building it, especially once we went out and got the tools that we needed to build something like that. I think that it's written uh, intentionally in a way where we can keep building and adding and bringing people into the world. It's it's perfectly open-ended in my opinion, where the world is so large, anything can happen in it. And we are so absurd in it that if we added any type, if we added a drunk bus driver, you'd be like, that makes sense. Cause we're <laughs> just doing whatever. And I'm, I feel like that was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are there any lines there that the show can't cross? Like, are there any barriers, or do you see it completely unlimited like that? I think. Uh, it's yeah, I prefer uh, they left my family out of it. You know, like personally, <laughs> I, I think they're hardworking folks that that deserve better than whatever these three can can potentially do to them but everything else i think is perfectly uh within the limits of of our show we don't care yeah i think it's too late for limits man <laughs> a little bit too late what are some of your thoughts you guys worked on obviously this show so many other great shows um how do you make the page read funnier like it's one thing to be in the writer's room and that type of thing but for people submitting spec scripts and that type of thing how do they make it actually read funny uh well we're just fortunate and blessed to be funny with the four of us and so like the funniest line goes on the paper and that's just anything so if you're out there just writing a script that's i I would say if it's it's a script that has to do with comedy you got to pitch it to someone else and you got to say it out loud and you got to make sure it makes someone audibly laugh out of their mouth um and sometimes that doesn't it works in your brain and then you write it on paper and then you bring it to the room and then Langston goes, this scene don't make no fucking sense. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah, I always awesome, think awesome about when we wrote that whole episode of Langston in the room and then he came back and was like, no. And we were like, <laughs> <laughs> we did all this good work. <laughs> <laughs> all this great work. <laughs> or when you pitch something and then and everybody's like, hell yeah. And then you get to the room and now you're sleeping with homeless women. different shit happens you know creativity works in several different ways (laughs) i will also say that uh that this show we have the good fortune of having uh so many talented writers 
that make it so that even things that make the four of us laugh still have to make it past the wall of, you know, Zach Fox, Emmy Blotnick, Gary Richardson, who are all so incredibly funny that like sometimes this shit works for us and then we bring it to them and they're like, this is stupid. And then we have to fix it again. So it, it truly is like a fucking, you know, giant ice wall that you have to overcome to make it on the page for us. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's too funny for you to slack. And it's like a gumbo pot of perspectives. Like out of nowhere, you know, you might hear us for that out of nowhere, you hear like a a Gary Richardson joke where he's like, that bitch looks like she could wash the shit out of a car. And you're like, oh, <laughs> we could say that. There's no other show that can that makes that make sense. Because it doesn't make any sense. But it makes no. sense. <laughs> or, 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 or my favorite, you like you eat bugs. That <laughs> <laughs> is one of my favorite. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never be friends with Friday. I'd rather eat bugs. <laughs> Or even like Zach Fox with the the you know season finale of of Pals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was some of the early stages? Were you guys just in a place uh, because of your previous success to to make all this work, or did you have to do like a scissor reel or some shorts and that type of thing? Because it seems like tone might be the hardest thing to display. So how did you display tone in the pitch meetings? Man. Um, yeah. Go ahead, bro. I- in a, in a cool way, the pitch was the easy part because we are so uh, great at riffing with each other already that like you just white people would walk us in a room, let us riff. And then people wanted the show afterwards. Uh, and the challenging part is explaining to them that those riffs are, in fact, the show and not just us being silly in a professional space. So it's it's more getting them to understand like, yo, just because we're riffing and being silly doesn't mean we don't have a vision underneath this that can turn into actual narrative television. Yeah, that I was going to agree with you. That was probably the hardest part was uh, we wanted to make like a show and people saw the riff and would be like, yeah, let's just put them in a room and do that. And we're like, but this needs to have more. It needs to have characters and needs to, you know, and I think that really just goes back again to us building ourselves. And so we got clearer and clearer on the vision. So mm-hmm. as it moved, because it, it saw a lot of iterations and it was in a lot of places, you know, we were Hulu to this place, to that place. And so where we finally found a home at Peacock, I think we were ready for that home. And we had a very clear vision of what it was we were trying to make by that point. Yeah, and once we locked in the final version of what the pilot was, it was like, oh, now we run in, in a direction that we that, that we're very familiar with. So it was able to grasp the concept even more because we figured it out ourselves. Some of the logistics of the writing process now, like how did like how, just for those who are not really familiar with the writer's room, how do you guys kind of work together? What does a week look like and that type of thing? Mm. Um I, think, I mean personally, I think we're at our best when we're physically there. We were saying, you got it. Oh, oh. Um, there's a lot of things up in the air. I think we we work together on pause. We work together on other shows, so we already kind of know each other's workflows. But um, some of our funnier stuff and our best stuff was definitely built in person. Like um, we would all go to a Langston's house or a Sam's house and sit on the floor with uh, note cards and actually write out scene for scene and say the funniest jokes. And you know, that's when I think we were at our strongest. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think in terms of the actual like day to day, it really is sort of starting the week with an idea. And a lot of the ideas are driven through personal experiences or like finding a, an exaggerated version of things that we actually went through, or at least know somebody that went through. Um, and then figuring out ways to throughout the course of that week, really expand that into an actual like story that has four different arguments inside of it. Every single episode is about the four of us taking on different angles and arguing all of the different options for what that thing could be. And so we we have to make sure that that the arguments are there in order for a good bust down episode to exist. Mm -hmm. You guys think it might be some misconceptions of comedy writing. I think with like blooper reels, a lot of people think that there's more improv than there is, for example, like what are some other misconceptions about writing a comedy like this? Mm. Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if it's a misconception more as like, I, I do believe that your jokes on paper need to be good for the improv to be great. Like without without a base to play off of, that's already great. Like your, your improv is saving the show more than adding adding it. And I think it, mm -hmm. I think sometimes people use improv wrong because they don't either they don't respect the art or they don't know it or whatever whatever or they just see seen a movie or, or blooper reel and they're like oh yeah I can do I can do that that's just saying saying shit but like you can't find a better joke if if, if the joke is whack on the paper you know what I'm saying. I would also add that, like, I think there's probably a misconception of how many jokes you need versus how many jokes like you might want that, like, there are, there is a possibility of over joking a scene or over sort of like stuffing a moment with like silly gags or whatever it is. And that like, you really should find the best of the best rather than like trying to stuff so many in that it becomes complete, like, you know, nonsense. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, with uh, comedies, especially, um, and really even the way we're speaking now really speaks to, I think our strength of what we bring to each script. I think, uh, character arcs and shit like that and story matters i think sometimes people get so caught up in the jokes that they think the jokes are the story but it's like mm -hmm. no nah, you need a story yeah that's what mm -hmm. i learned about myself in the in the writer's room because they like because these these, like, these three have been have been in writer's rooms like some of the best for, for years and, and I, besides snl like some coming up like I, that was like the first writer's room that was so highbrow you know what I mean like with just with, with just talent and how I, I had to learn how to pitch for a story and narrative and not just be pitching wild shit because because that's what I would be doing all the time I'm like yeah that joke makes us laugh nigga I got nothing to do with what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually yeah. destroys this story Chris, we've been Chris reading got, but Chris got tired of <laughs> us being quiet on his pitches <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. I was uh, like, all right, let me let me go ahead and focus and see what the fuck is happening. <laughs> let me listen to others. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, and, and not for nothing, it's 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 a quote I think I learned a lot from this show is the the, the final draft is the edit. So don't think that any joke that you're putting in a script is the final joke. Don't think that any story or way that the scene builds is the final joke. 
the best writing is done in editing. So just try, you know, always try to make the funniest possible thing and just know if you're doing your shit right and your editors are good and you're focused, the joke gets even funnier in the edit. And if you improvise, just just do the joke three times so, so your friends ain't struggling in the edit. Uh, boy. <laughs> Man. It's goddamn. Thank y'all again. It's, talk about where's Waldo of the story. This nigga Chris will be in episode five when you try to edit episode two. <laughs> uh, any other, just I think we're maybe coming up on time in just a minute. Um, any other advice for people trying to break into the industry today? I know you guys have different stories, different backgrounds, but if you can kind of go through and just maybe walk us through where you might start today if you were starting fresh. I mean, uh, what's what's interesting is that all four of us started in stand up and, and sort of like performing. Uh, and so I would say, don't do that. Do it some other way, because I don't know, it, it made it harder for us. But, you know, I, I think in general, it, it truly is just learning to hone whatever it is you do and then finding people who really know how to amplify that. Like, I think the strength of this group is like it's for people who are really good at what they do and also really comfortable letting the other three shine at any given moment and not feeling like, well, I got to I have to have this or I need to step in and make this about me. It's if Sam's doing great, Sam gets it. If Jack's doing great, Jack gets it. None of us want to step on that. So it's it's support each other and make your thing better. Even if you don't agree with it, like if a motherfucker is like, no, this, let them go. Because usually at the end of it, they're right. And you just didn't mm-hmm. see what the fuck they were seeing. Um, and if you're starting, be friends with people who are funnier than you. Yeah, like oh. that's that's the only way I got funnier. That's the only way everybody else got like every day I'm with someone funnier than me. And you just, you know, iron choppers, iron, pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> I like how you slid that in because you knew you said some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. Nigga, we didn't say the sword fight, but you're right though. <laughs> also have patience, man. Have patience with the process. Have patience with yourself. No, like go, I you know, flow with your passions, man. Don't listen to don't listen to naysayers too much. Like just go go with what, what really like interests you. Cause a lot of people said I couldn't do the end of an improv and shit and all that and, and everybody's gonna have their Aww. opinions about things. Who said that? Uh, Who said that? Oh, the, Chicago, the Chicago community. Teacher uh, <laughs> told him he wasn't gonna be shit. Oh, yeah. outside his building. Me and Biggie Smalls had the same teacher. I would say uh, you uh, you find the whitest man in the room and you suck his dick, and that's how. It's <laughs> oh, that's sweet. how you get in. That's how you get in. Yeah, hey, baby. We'll just do, oh, uh, and we'll, always put a blow yeah. to a scene. I hate that. Close your scene with a fucking joke, loser. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. We'll just do one more if this kind of makes sense. We'll go through the the same way. Um, Another thing people I think don't realize starting out is that a script is some leverage there. Like, how do you guys think about creating leverage for yourself? It might mean that you're an actor or performer, you got improv, you kind of got this like bag of tools with you. How do you think about creating leverage before you're famous and some of those things? I mean, I'll say that, that the industry works in a way now where multi-hyphenates are not just like a, sort of a thing you can be but like kind of a necessary thing like everybody does a little bit of something 
And so just being able to add, you know, screenwriter or, or you know, writer in general to that hyphen or, or series of hyphens, then it, it's an it's an asset. It may not solve all your problems. It may not be a great script. You might write like shit, but at least being able to show people like, yo, I'm willing to do that work. You're you're adding value to your your pocket. We also, um, you know, a show like Bust Out get to showcase pieces of ourselves that people might not have seen in us. Like, you know, perfect example is 103 with Langston. He's been such a beautiful booty boy in all these other shows that we finally got a chance to show, like, his the other sides of his humor and the anger. And, like, we get to, everybody got to stretch different muscles on the show. And I think, you know, if you want other jobs and movies and TV shows, it's super duper cool to have a place that you get to be yourself and people can go and look. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.